0: Do you remember the day you got married? Assuming you are or have been married, do you remember all of the planning and preparation and excitement that went into that one day? Do you remember how nervous you were? Do you remember all the things you wanted to do to make that day special, to remember it for all time? This is Steve Thompson, and today we'll be reading Exodus chapter 19. But I think it's helpful for us if we have that picture of a marriage ceremony. It all boils down to the vows, the promises that we commit to keeping for the rest of our lives. But there was a lot of thought and energy and expense that went into making that day a special one. So with that in mind, let's read. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation." This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together, We will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Then the Lord told Moses, Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow, and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day, for on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful. Do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. However, When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, then the people may go up on the mountain. So Moses went down to the people. He consecrated them for worship, and they washed their clothes. He told them, Get ready for the third day, and until then, abstain from having sexual intercourse. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared, lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and, Mo- and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. Then the Lord told Moses, Go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. But Lord, Moses protested, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You told me, mark off a boundary all around the mountain to set it apart as holy. But the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron back up with you. In the meantime, do not let the priests or the people break through to approach the Lord, or he will break out and destroy them. So Moses went down to the people and told them what the Lord said. The marriage imagery is probably startling, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But even more striking in this passage is how this covenant ceremony on Sinai unfolds and looks like a social contract and a, and a political alliance. It was pretty common in that day for the feudal tribing groups of the area to form alliances for self-preservation. Certain groups would grow strong, and the king would begin inviting other groups to join them. He would provide military protection and financial backing in hard times if the vassals, the people, would swear allegiance to him and pay him taxes and do their fair share in the kingdom that he was building. And it all worked, this social system, this contractual social system. So many books have been written on this subject that I'm not going to spend too much time, too much more time on it, other than to make this observation that I think is critical before moving forward in the book of Exodus. God is initiating an unheard of relational and political alliance with these people, this slave group in a language and a manner that would be extremely familiar to them and full of incredibly practical day-to-day significance for how they needed to live their lives as a result. There are many who point to these kinds of things in Scripture, and they claim that the people in the Bible simply borrowed mythology and customs from surrounding nations and religions and adapted them to their own liking. But the adaptations are so strikingly discordant with how they had previously been practiced by other people groups. There's just no evolutionary progress from one system to the other. It's just this giant leap in understanding these symbols and rituals and this singularly unique most high God named Yahweh. Honestly, the most likely and rational conclusion is that God loves to use what is familiar with us, humanity, to interact and communicate with us. And he uses these ordinary, everyday things of our life so that we can clearly understand who he is and what he expects. So that being the case, there are also seeds of another kind of commitment happening here. You might not have caught all the marriage imagery because... This was a ceremony from a people group 3,500 years ago or so, so it's pretty foreign to us. But who's ever heard of a marriage between a people group and their one God? Well, no one. It's never happened like that. It's pretty unusual that A, there would be only one God in this scenario that just seems narrow-minded, Or B, that you would have a loving, committed relationship with that God. It's pretty shocking, really. It's just not normal. God needs the people to hear his heart in this. And so I'm going to repeat back at verse 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if all only you will obey me and keep my covenant you will be my special treasure from among all the peoples on earth for all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests my holy nation a holy nation a nation set apart for a special purpose but in order for these people to be set apart They need to understand just how different, how other, how good, loving, beautiful, and perfectly just that God is. They need to see it and Feel it in their bones. They need to take a few days to prepare for the significance of what's about to happen. They need to clean up, dress up, and put aside business as usual for a while. They should be nervous because God doesn't want them to make the mistake of taking this too lightly. He doesn't want them to take him too lightly. And this is where God grabs at my heart. And I'm not sure what all to do with it because I begin to feel small and worthless and trivial and messed up when I see his holiness. I'm a petty man with petty pleasures and petty desires. Now, hear me in this. These are not the words of the accuser, the lies that try to condemn me and shame me. It's not that. This is who I am in the presence of Almighty God. And He wants to redeem me. He wants to give me worth and clean me up and give me a greater purpose. But there's always this stuff that has to be burned away. There are always things that need to be confessed, dragged out of the dark corners where I'd really like to hide them, but they need to be brought into the light where it can be healed. There's this amazing paradox and mind-boggling dissonance between who our perfect and holy God is and how we are not any of those things. And in that chasm, that gulf, He's completely parted the sea and grabbed us by the arms and dragged us right into his presence, right in front of his throne, the throne of the universe, as if we've got every right to be there. We should be backing out on our hands and knees and faces as quickly as possible, but he's telling us to stand up and look into his face. I'm telling you, sometimes... I get overwhelmed by this reality. Can I read to you how I see the writer of Hebrews trying to describe this very reality? This is out of Hebrews chapter 12. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight, he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. Holy, if you can take my uh, breaking in. You have come to Jesus the one who mediates this new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. So as we meditate on God's holiness, our unworthiness, and yet our completely open access to him along with the invitation to become holy even as our Father in heaven is holy, set apart, perfected in love. I want to wrap up by asking us all a few questions. These might seem a little bit out of right field, but be assured these are firmly grounded in these passages. So listen, what would happen if, if we prepared for every Sunday like it was this kind of an encounter, our wedding with the creator of the universe, in a day when we're completely accepted just as we are in all our casual laid-backness, what does it look like for our hearts to be undone before a holy God? What would we look like if our lives were completely set apart as a kingdom of priests, citizens, vassals of Jesus' kingdom above any other identity or allegiance? Are there things in our everyday walk-around, eating, working, playing lives that need to go, to fall away, to be burned away, And are there things that we need to start doing or give more of our time, money, and lives to? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us. Mold us. Fill us. Use us. Spirit of the living God, produce your fruit in us and make us holy. Holy Spirit, speak to us and lead us today. Amen.